0: Hey, this is Jordan Moorhead with Austin Real Estate Investing. Today, we've got a special episode. Ryan Kelly, realtor here in Austin, Texas, actually in the same office that I'm in here at Keller Williams, and I are going to be doing a market update. And the Austin market has moved so quickly and dynamically over the last year, year and a half. We really just wanted to tell people where the market's at today compared to where maybe it was earlier this year and last year. So, hey, Ryan, how are you doing? Hey, doing great, Jordan. How are you? Doing awesome. Really enjoying the day here today, working hard in the office.
1: Yep, keeping busy. Monday is always the uh everything you did over the weekend, getting the contracts moving and uh scheduling home inspections.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, Ryan, real quick, you know, I know you're a busy agent here in the Austin market and you work with a lot of investors here too. And that's of course what our podcast is all about is real estate investing in Austin. So what have you seen happen over the past year?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think we're beating a dead horse if we talk about the spring, right? Because it was historically nationwide, probably the hottest housing market we've ever seen. Uh, you've got a lot of inflation going on with the, uh, the price of homes, with, with uh, supplies. Uh, so not only that, new construction. And historically, I think Austin probably had the tightest market it ever had. In maybe the February, March window. Uh, Since probably July 4th, I think there was a shift. Uh, Some people will say the market is slowing down. I don't like to use that because that makes people think prices are going backwards. And I don't think that's happening. I think what's happening is you had historically low inventory. We're talking less than half a month of inventory in many neighborhoods, which means maybe a neighborhood only had one house for sale at a time and it would just get bombarded with 30 offers, 50 offers. When we got to July 4th, a couple things happened. Normally, the second half of the year is slower than the first half, so there's some natural cycles there. The second thing is, at least locally, uh, that was when COVID restrictions really started to loosen up. So masks came off, uh, people could go to big events like sporting events, uh, people were traveling and, and disappearing for a month in July and August to travel with their family. And so what happened was you saw some properties that were overreaching on price, and all of a sudden the market was not giving them 20% over asking on all their offers. So you definitely saw some properties start to have to do price reductions to come back to where the market was. I think it's picked up again. Uh, I think once we got back into school late late August, early September, everybody's done with their vacations, uh, and now we're in kind of the prime window for buying before the end of the year. So if you want a property, before we get to the holidays, I felt some uptick there. But as an analogy, uh, and I've told a lot of clients this, imagine if you if you want to talk about the difference between the spring and now, and, and you want to say it's slowing down, the feeling is this. If you go out to the highway and you put your foot on the gas pedal as far as you can push it, you know, and your car is going 150 miles an hour, that was the spring. Like, you can't go any faster. It can't be more aggressive. Now, yes, your car has slowed down, maybe your foot came back off that gas pedal 20%, uh, but your car is still going 100 miles an hour, right? You're still breaking the speed limit, you're still going to get a speeding ticket. So, what that means is it's still a hot sellers market. We still only have one month of inventory. The vast majority of properties I've written on in the last 6 weeks have been multiple offers. I've had property, I've had clients lose out on deals where the winning offer was 200,000 over the list price, I had another one where it was, you know, 70, 80K over the list price. So there's still a lot of aggressive buying activity out there. Is it as aggressive as January through March? No. And I don't think we'll ever see that again. That was, it was historically the lowest inventory you could have in the market, unless that happens in the spring. But I don't predict that. I think, I think you'll see some more inventory come on the market, but it's going to be tight. And I think it's going to be tight for several years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love your analogy with, uh, the foreign and on the highway too. So, you know, we absolutely haven't seen prices go down. What we have seen is more inventory. I've got these market stats pulled up over here. I know you're familiar with the same stuff, but in March, we had 0.4 months of inventory. Today, we have one month of inventory. That sounds like a huge increase, but Last year, we had 1.5 months of inventory, 1.7 right. months of inventory. I think even March last year, didn't we get up closer to two even?
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah. So you're, and if you go pre-COVID, so let's go back to like 2019, mm-hmm. where, you know, several areas, you might two, two and a half months of inventory, which still is a very solid seller's market yeah. uh, to have that type of inventory. We're still at one. So we're lower than we were last summer. Uh, in COVID. And what's happened is, I would say for the last four or five years, Austin has just been going down, 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 down on inventory because the market's popular, the builders can't keep up. And so it's not going to turn around quickly. This is not a problem that can be solved just with home builders building a few more homes. It's going to take a combination of construction, uh, uh, probably some zoning easing, if that's possible, and buyer demand waning. Which, mm-hmm. again, until that gas pedal starts to slow down, as long as people are pressing the gas pedal and want to buy, it's hard for the market to play catch up. So I have a feeling we're going to be in a low inventory you know, cycle for a while uh, unless the demand really drops off. And I just I haven't felt that.
0: Sure. And I don't think that's going to happen. So, you know, let's just talk about the elephant in the room real quick. Everybody's saying foreclosure moratorium is going to end. We're going to be flooded with inventory. All of the statistics I've seen are that even if all of those people who are in forbearance somehow end up in foreclosure, that's not going to be enough inventory to satisfy the demand. Remember, we're at one month of inventory here in Austin right now. We need to be above six months of inventory. To be in a buyer's market that's a 600 percent increase in inventory that would have to have quite a few things happen a lot of people would have to go into foreclosure a tremendous amount which they're not and it doesn't look like they're going in to go they're going to go into foreclosure i don't think the government's going to let that happen personally but what do i know that would have to happen. Home builders would have to ramp up production tremendously. They can't because materials are expensive, permits are expensive, and labor is expensive. And a lot of people would just have to want to sell their home. And again, like you said, all that has to happen in conjunction with demand dropping off a lot. So people like Tesla and Samsung and Apple and all those other companies need to stop showing up in Austin for that to happen. What do I think is going to happen? I think it's going to continue to grow out further and further. You know, if you're out in Elgin, even there's new neighborhoods popping up all over the place. Honestly, that's not too bad of a place to live. You work remotely three days a week and you need to come into Austin two days a week. You're 45 minutes outside of Austin. That's not all that bad. I think that's what's going to continue to happen. Again, I don't see inventory shooting up 700% in any scenario anytime soon. And it just doesn't, doesn't feel like things are going to go down. I think we're going to see a more modest increase over the next year or two. And again, I'm saying, I think here, cause I honestly don't know, but just from what I see every day in the market, like you said, there's still tremendous demand for good product. For mm-hmm. houses that are nice, they're in great areas, they're in great shape and they're priced right. I think that's the important thing right now. You're seeing the same thing as I am. Yep. If you're not pricing right, if you're pricing with these expectations, you're going to get 30% over because your neighbor down the street got 30% over. you're disregarding the fact that your neighbor down the street in Round Rock listed their house for 250 last July. And of course, they got 360, 370 for it. If you do that same thing at 380 today, don't expect 30% over. You sell your house for 380 and you bought it four years ago for 200000 That's amazing. But I don't think that's going to happen. And that's an opportunity as a buyer. You're finding these people who are grossly overpricing their houses and they're sitting on the market forever because they've got these completely unrealistic expectations. That's how you can do well as a buyer in the Austin market right now, in my opinion.
1: You know, there is a psychology that is challenging to buyers and investors. And the psychology goes like this the list price must be its market value. And I'm not getting a deal unless I buy it under that value. Mm -hmm. And that has been a battle since the ages began with real estate sales. I would say in this market, however, you have to throw that out the window. The list price has nothing to do with the property's value yes, you might find a property where you can buy it below that price. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you'll love it because, again, psychologically, you'll think you got a deal. Uh, But at the same time, I can show you things on paper where clients have had to pay over uh, to get that property. But in relationship to the comps, in relationship to maybe the ARV, if they're going to remodel that property, it's actually a perfectly fine purchase. And it's, it's right in line with the market. And so you know, you had just mentioned list prices. The other challenge we have is it's a bifurcated market. What I mean by that is the list price is not what it's worth. The actual market value trending in that neighborhood might be on average selling at 10 or 15% above the list price. That is what those properties are worth. Mm-hmm. So if somebody were to list that property in that neighborhood, and I forget price, let's just pretend it's 500,000, you know, and let's say everything in the neighborhood is selling at 550. All right, great. So some sellers, going to do what the other sellers did and they're going to list their home at 500 000, knowing that the buyers have to come in psychologically expecting to write offers above that price and they'll look at the comps and they'll say yeah i can spend up to 550 that's right in line with the neighborhood you're going to have other sellers who will say no i want to see if i can get 575 and so they're going to list at 575 and what they forget is that the buyers psychologically are going to add 50 grand to that price because they think they have to write over the list price. So now all of a sudden, they think that house they have to write $625 to win it and they won't write the offer. And so sure. you're going to get a lot of sellers making that mistake where they're trying to list their property at the highest possible sold price that somebody got in the spring when the market was its most aggressive. Whereas the best sellers are the ones, and I know buyers hate to hear this. But the best sellers are the ones that keep listing where the list prices have had the most success, knowing that it's going to get multiple offers and the buyers are going to bring the price up to whatever the buyer market thinks the retail value is. And so that's why most properties are in multiple offers in Austin, is because a majority of sellers, most likely working with good brokers, are listing where the list prices should be, knowing that the buyers psychologically are going to have to add a number above that number to close. And so that's where you can find some deals. Sometimes you find the sellers that are mispriced. And uh, and that's where I think you can find the best opportunity to get under the list price.
0: Sure. And, and why that is, for everybody listening, when you mm-hmm. list a property too high, like Ryan said, people aren't going to come and just beat down your door and bid it up and bid it up. They're probably not going to go look at it at all. Mm-hmm. And when they don't go look at it at all, it sits on the market and then it sits on the market and then. You as a buyer or me as a realtor we look at it and say, oh, something must be wrong with this property. I don't want to go see it. So you're not going to go see it or you're not going to make an offer. Most buyers will say, hey, this is listed at, like you said, 550 That's the most I think I could even pay. They're expecting 600 there's no reason, or 575, they're expecting 625. There's no reason to even offer 550. When in reality, maybe that seller was willing to take 550 to 575.
1: They should have been willing to take it if that's what the market comps are, right? And so, well, yeah. And again, most buyers, not all investor buyers, but most buyers, primary home buyers, mm-hmm. right now, if you've coached them well and shown and they've gone through a couple contracts and they've gotten beaten, you know they're expecting to add some percentage over the list price. Mm-hmm. So when they, whatever the list price is on the market, they're in their mind going higher. Mm-hmm. And that's why those, those homes don't sell is because they've already priced in all that demand and activity and they've net, left no room for the buyers. And so you actually have to kind of price your home. I don't want to say below market value. You have to price your home where the list prices are most competitive and let the buyers decide where they're going to take that price up. It's not as high as it was in the spring. And that's what you had alluded to is like everything in the spring. I could point to neighborhoods in Leander. On average, we're selling 25% above the list price. Like that's that's crazy when you think about it. Maybe that neighborhood today is selling 8% on average above the list price at a higher list price. And so it's still selling above the list price, but not nearly as aggressive. And there's more opportunity, I think, too. Now that the market has, I don't want to say slowed down, but not going as fast, Mm -hmm. you are going to find a few properties that don't sell the first weekend. That's what's changed, too. They might still sell for a good price. You know, you can't come in 50 and 100 grand under asking because it didn't sell in five days, but you might be able to find one that does slip through the cracks a little bit and maybe get either list price or maybe a little below list price if it didn't get get the right buyer. But stay in touch with those listing agents because it changes by the hour. I mean you might think nobody submitted an offer and then an hour later they have two in their hands. So it oh, yeah. can move fast.
0: Yeah. And what I what I'm finding and I like quite a bit is it hasn't gotten as hard to buy. So what I mean by that is mm-hmm. disregarding price you're going and looking at a house in Round Rock in March and there's a line around the block to buy the house. I know you stood in plenty of those lines. It's kind of surreal to see, but there's a a large line to get in the house because of COVID can't have overlapping showing. So we have to wait for our individual turn to go in and spend 10, 15 minutes in the house. But you go in, you love the house. You put an offer together. You put an offer together over, over list price, but because the comps, are so much further below even what your offer is you're going to have to put a, an appraisal waiver in there i'm not seeing near as many appraisal waivers anymore and that makes my life feel a lot easier i'm not a huge fan of appraisal waivers like you said list price has nothing to do with value but the appraisal waiver is saying no matter what value it comes in at we're going to pay that we're going to pay the list price so I'm liking that quite a bit. So real quick, you know, you work with a lot of investors and all of the people listening here are investors. I know my biggest advice for investors is, you know, obviously look at the comps, run the numbers. It's about that. Don't make it about emotion. Don't worry about the list price. But I want to put together real quick, what is your best advice for investors? And we can talk about that for a little bit. Investors looking to buy properties in the Austin market right now. Hey, guys, this is Jordan Moorhead here. And I wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me. If you could go leave a review for this podcast wherever you're listening to it, that would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about Austin real estate investing. And I'd be able to help more people. Thanks, guys.
1: Yeah, I, I spend a lot of time on the front end, and I'm sure you do too. Like, you got to be really crystal clear what it is you're trying to do here, mm-hmm. because if you just want to dabble with the idea of owning a rental, or you know maybe you want to flip a house, I'm sorry, you're going to get run over, because there are really focused people here. There's, I mean, this market is Austin, right? You're in a popular market. Yeah, it's been on the radar for well over a decade that it's a top ten place to live, and Companies are coming here. So it does not mean you can't find what you want here. It just means you have to be really clear what it is you want to get out of this market. It's definitely, and it's been this way for a while, a much stronger appreciation market versus a cash flow market. And that just means traditionally, if you're putting, let's say, 20 or 25% down on a property, or if you're trying to buy it as a primary house hack, even less, but you know, let's go with 25%. You know, maybe three or four years ago, you could just walk into a suburb, buy a house at 25% down, hire a property manager and still make several hundred bucks in cash flow a month. That's not around anymore. You can't do that. Uh, So you either have to be a little more creative with your strategy Mm -hmm. or you have to be willing to take a thinner cash flow yield or maybe you're going to spend more effort on uh, remodeling and bringing the value up on that property. Or you're going to do some creative alternative strategies like rent by the room or short term rentals or mid term rentals, you know, like, you know, traveling nurses. And there's a lot of different ways that you can increase yield if you need it to cash flow right now. And so to me, that's what I'm seeing. Here's some good news for investors. And Jordan, you've seen this too rents are going up. Okay. Rents are finally really going up, but they are way behind all this rapid appreciation we've had in the in the purchase price of these properties. So it's going to take several years for the rent yield, hopefully, to, to start to get better. Um, I think as long as money is cheap and interest rates are low, it's going to be hard for them to do that because the property prices will keep going up. But again, rents are coming way up, uh, but they're behind where the appreciation of the for sale market is. So for now, it's not a turnkey market. At least at a 25% down. So you have to decide what your strategy is. If you want cash flow and you, you really want something more turnkey, put more money down. You know, put more money down. It does cash flow at a certain point. So run your numbers and put more money down, and you'll get the. It's the same property. You'll get appreciation. You'll get the tenants you want. The rents, all those things will be the same. The only difference is you had to put more money down. The other option is get creative. Uh, and that, again, I'm speaking as if you want to buy in a hot location. Uh, the other option is you just adjust your if your price doesn't move, uh, then you look farther out and you look at those markets and start evaluating the submarkets and the exurbs. you know, those little towns around, especially on the east side uh, and decide if that works for you, uh, because at some point all these markets are going to grow population is definitely going to keep growing. I don't even think if the market goes south, population is going to stop. I mean, Austin and San Antonio and Dallas, I mean, they're all growing. So, you know, that's going to keep happening. So then it's just a matter of a time issue. Or do you, how far out are you willing to be and how long do you think it's going to take for those markets to get, you know, better amenities, you know, and those types of things for you to sell it at some point. So there's a lot of opportunity in the market, but it's not a cheap market to get into. You're definitely going to have to compete for a lot of things. Uh, and ultimately, it's a headwind until you buy. And all those same factors immediately become a tailwind once you own the property, because now you locked it in and everybody else is still out there trying to buy it. So, you know, it's a headwind until it's a tailwind.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Love that. Um, The juice is worth the squeeze. It is quite a challenge. It can be quite a challenge, but like Ryan was saying, so let's just highlight this real quick and then we'll get off here, guys. So like Ryan was saying, Be focused, know what you want, know what your goals are. If you're just coming in all lackadaisical saying, oh, you know, I just want to buy a rental property. I don't know what, I don't know where, I don't know how much money I have to spend. I don't know what my goals are. I don't know what I want out of the property. You're going to have a really hard time because there's somebody right back behind you saying, hey, I want to buy SF3 lots exactly in this neighborhood. Here's my plan for them after I buy them. So I end up laser focused on what I want, or I want to buy duplexes in this exact area. I want to do a large value add to them. This is exactly what I want. Or, you know, Ryan also talked about being creative. I want to buy in this area because short-term rentals are allowed. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to run short-term rentals here. I'm going to make a lot of money doing it. You can do medium-term rentals in most areas, but be focused, get creative, know what you want. and. Be a little flexible geographically. You know, if you're looking to be within 15 minutes of downtown, it's going to get quite expensive. If you're willing to be 45 minutes an hour of downtown Austin, that doesn't mean you're not going to get a lot of the, the tailwinds Ryan spoke of from Austin, but just be in the right areas, you know, know what you're looking for and know what's going on in those areas. I know you see the same thing on Bigger Pockets forums, stuff like that. People just reposting articles from the Austin Business Journal subscribe to the Austin business journal, read that stuff every morning. Um, That kind of stuff is gonna give you so much insight to where businesses are going, what's happening. But remember, by the time it hits the Austin business journal, every other realtor and every other investor in Austin has probably already seen it. So if, if Samsung shows up and says, hey, we're actually gonna go into Taylor, you're probably too late then. But if you bought in Taylor three months ago and said, you know, I'm comfortable being in Taylor, the numbers work, this is where I want to be, you're going to get a huge bump when Samsung moves in. So just be focused, know what you want, and come down here and get it done, guys. It's still an amazing market to buy in. Still a tremendous amount of people moving here. Like Ryan mentioned, rents are going up very rapidly. So I'm very excited about buying in Austin. I'm under contract on another duplex. In South Austin right now. I hope to be on another contract on another one shortly, but let's just keep keep it moving. And if you need anything, reach out to Ryan, Ryan Kelly at k- kw.com. That's it. And Jordan.morehead at KW.com. You can find both of us on social media. I'm Jordan underscore morehead on Instagram. Ryan, what are you?
1: At Ryan Kelly Group.
0: At, at Ryan. Ryan Kelly
1: Group, all one word. So easy to find.
0: Yeah, super easy to find either of us. Just Google both of our names. They'll pop up right away. All right.
1: Yeah, appreciate it. I would say the same thing. I would say, look, it's, you know, do some research, get your numbers, you know, figure out what you want and ask yourself the question, where's Austin going to be in five years? If you like your answer, (laughs) well, then you better buy now, right? So, you know, always ask yourself, where do I think this is going? And if you think that's an uptrend, if you think it's going to be better in five years, then ask yourself, what's the play right now? And and likely get into those markets. So, um, you know, we'd love to chat with you.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much, Ryan. I'm sure we will talk soon.
1: Thanks, Jordan. Appreciate it.